0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. why it's happening
2: again. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. www.yagain.org. And now, your co hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. I'm sitting here talking, and I guess nobody can hear me. Mutes off. So, this is Recovery Wednesday, August the 3rd, 2016. Their call in number is 646 200 4169. Press one, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. Anybody who normally joins us on Recovery Wednesday, hit one. That'll throw you up to the top of the switchboard so I can turn you on. And we Mm -hmm. appreciate you being with us today. And welcome, Michael.
3: Thank you, dear heart. I am here getting used to my new phone. Hopefully, we won't have any drops in the, in the call with uh, our new cell phone. This technology is just, you know, pretty bizarre. When it works, it's so fabulous. But anyway, we're glad you're here, and we're certainly delighted to have this technology available to us that so lets us to talk, to, talk to people all over the world and bring forward the truth of this first century Aramaic miracle called forgiveness. With Recovery Wednesday, I was, I was listening to a presentation actually recently that was giving the statistics, and I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again and write them down, but they were talking about how long it took for people to recognize the destructive effects of tobacco, that the tobacco industry covered it, you know, hid it away, said, no, it's healthy. Actually, doctors were on doing commercials saying, I smoke for my health, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. And that it took something like 40 years for that breakthrough to occur for people to realize that putting nicotine and 500 other chemicals into your lungs through a a lighted uh, tube with this tobacco in it kills people. And... As I was listening, it uh, it occurred to me to think about how long is it going to take, you know, pot's been around for many, many years, for people to recognize that now that the uh, government is on the bandwagon because there are billions of dollars to be made, to realize the truly destructive effects of pot. It's been around for a long time, and it's interesting. I, I see all kinds of posts pro pot posts saying things like, well, you know, it's natural. We must've been meant to use it. Oh, excuse me. Arsenic's natural too. Let's see you uh, smoke a little arsenic and see how that goes for you. And then to look at how long alcohol has been around. And I, I was brought up in a world where alcohol was totally acceptable. It was a social lubricant. It was no big deal. And it, it just, as I as I look back over the years and I look at the destructive effects of alcohol on people's lives, that we live in a culture that brainwashes people to believe that there is some beneficial use for alcohol. I would offer the person who needs alcohol for a social lubricant in order to get into the crowd and have a so-called good time, first of all, this isn't having a good time at all. They're just anesthetized out of their mind and their mind can't tell what a good time is. That the physiological destructive effects, some of the latest information I was looking at, okay. talking about cancer statistics and alcohol and the huge, you know, they're, they're doing some controlled research on um, cancer and alcohol and the huge impact that um, alcohol is having on cancer statistics is amazing. And I'm just taking here one second. See if I can find that post. Not showing up. In any event, just how long is it going to take for us to recognize the destructive effects of? these drugs that people use in order to avoid feeling. And my experience over the years is people who use addictive substances addictively, and our definition in this work of addiction is the compulsive use of any person, place, substance, circumstance, or activity to avoid feeling what is real for them and dealing with it or to avoid hearing and following their highest guidance. And so when people compulsively utilize a substance for one of those two purposes, then they tend to get stuck in a cycle where every time the feeling or the guidance surfaces, and the reason why I offer people avoid guidance is because guidance often conflicts with what's in carbon-based memory and the behavior prompts that come to the mind and the stress Created by the difference between those two is huge. So, people oftentimes use addictive substances, people, persons, circumstances, activities, in order to dull the experience of that stress. And to let go of the addictive substance is to feel truly, and when one begins to feel truly, one gets the opportunity to remove the energetic patterns that never belonged within their system in the first place. And then the second impact of that is that they get to start to feel the truth of who they are. And if you've ever held a newborn child, perhaps you don't recall being that yourself, but that's where you started. That's where we all started. And it is the restoration to the truth of who we are. You know, pot People say soft drug never hurt anybody. Well, take a look at the brain traces and see the brain damage that's being done. The half-life of THC in the body, of course, this happens throughout the structure, but it's more pronounced in the brain because the brain takes about 10 times the oxygen nutrition as the rest of the cellular structure of the body in order to keep operating properly. But you look at the weakening of the energetic patterns in the brain and the destruction of brain tissue and it's monumental and I think one of the reasons is because the half-life of pot is so long most other drugs are metabolized out of the system relatively quickly but not pot stays there for a long time and has its impact and I'm not sure whose statistics are actually accurate I have not done the experiments myself but somewhere between eight days and six months is the half-life of THC in a cell And basically what THC does in the brain is it blocks the inlet for nutrition into the brain cell and the outlet for waste. And so the brain cell itself is drowning in its own waste and starving for nutrition. And then you look at alcohol and, you know, people die of alcohol poisoning. Why did they die of alcohol poisoning? Well, what happens with alcohol is it causes blood cells to coagulate. And when blood cells coagulate, they don't move through capillaries very well. And capillary damage, you know, you see the person who's done a lot of drinking and they have a bright red nose. Why? It's capillary damage. And capillaries, for all intents and purposes, are basically about a blood cell wide. So a blood cell flows into the capillary, goes to the brain, feeds or every cell in the body, but feeds the cell with nutrition, and carries a waste away well, when the blood cells coagulate and can 't get into the capillary, then there's a lack of flow of blood to the brain when there's a lack of flow of blood to the brain, then the brain starts to die, and one of the first things to go in the brain is the inhibitors, where the brain is basically controlled through inhibitory function, and you know they 're kind of like uh, truck brakes if you. Uh, If you've ever wondered why the truck driver who complains about the price of fuel leaves his truck running for five hours when he goes into the truck stop for a shower and play a game of pool and watch a movie and rest for an hour, the reason is because the the truck operates on an inhibitor, anti-inhibitor system. Now, if he's rolling down the road and his anti-inhibitor goes out and something goes wrong with his brakes, he's in big trouble, but the truck has a safety system built into it. In a big truck like that, the brakes are always on. Can't move it until, and so that inhibits the movement of the truck. So the brakes are always on. Can't get in and just drive away. You have to have something to inhibit the inhibitors. What is it? It's air pressure. If he shuts his truck down and loses air pressure, he can't go out and get in the truck and drive away. He has to sit and wait till his air pressure builds up, so that the inhibitor, the brakes being on, have enough air pressure to pull the inhibitor off. So you inhibit the inhibitor. It starts to get kind of crazy sounding, but that's in essence what happens. Well, exactly the same way, everything that we've been told, no, 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 don't do it. Humans don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. All the social conditioning, etc. all of that no stuff creates inhibitors. And so if someone's in a situation where the inhibitors are active, and they look at a behavior that's definitely uh, destructive to self and others as well as socially unacceptable, they go, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. But a fifth the scotch and the inhibitors are gone. And it's like all of a sudden, you know, crazy behaviors become acceptable because there are no inhibitors. And one who has not had forgiveness, that is the ability to remove the prompt for the behavior in the first place, you know, there was a recent case where a young man is drinking, he's a young, you know, up-and-coming athlete, and he's drinking and he rapes a woman. The desire for sexual interaction, and we haven't been taught very much integrity in our culture around sexual interaction, and that we have no right in the energy field of another human being intimately unless we have permission from that other human being. And yet we're taught in our culture, it's okay to fantasize about this person or that, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just a fantasy world. Go back to Yeshua. He says, if you do it in your mind, you've done it. So once that's in there, then of course, there's a socially uh, enforced inhibitor that stops that behavior. So this young man walking down the street, probably in a million years would never touch another woman, you know, that he doesn't have permission to be intimate with. But here he is in a situation where after the fifth of scotch, the inhibitors are gone and that behavior simply becomes possible forgiveness engaged in consistently and persistently removes the behavior prompts that are otherwise behaviors prevented by inhibitory action of the brain very desirable thing to do because if anybody if anything pardon me compromises that inhibitory system then all kinds of behaviors that wreak havoc in one's life become possible. So the, the thing that was occurring to me as they were talking about how long it took to understand the deleterious effects of smoking is, when are we going to get that alcohol has no purpose and no place in our culture except to alter brain function and self-medicate? A self-medicated person isn't human, does not have contact with their true nature. If you're looking for a joy ride, go to your true nature. Forget the drugs that create this falsetto of joy because it's not joy at all. Get back to the truth of who you are as the active presence of love. Get plugged into your source. And, you know, oftentimes in an intensive will of people for the first time who do a still-point breathing session, And get into such a connected, sweet space. They're like, man, I did drugs for years. There's not a drug that's even close to this. And there isn't. I think one of the things that drives a lot of drug and alcohol behavior is the desire to try to get back to the truth of being, get back to where we started, where that connected, awesome, beautiful space was natural without compromising the function of the brain which is what drugs tend to do in alcohol. So the whole purpose of this work and the idea of Recovery Wednesdays is to tie in with, especially the 12-step program, understand it in the context of this work, where it can add to the understanding of this work and where this work can add to the understanding of the 12-step program and moving into recovery. In many cases, recovery is thought of as, you know, I'm recovering from this disease of alcoholism. We're not interested in that. What we're interested in doing is supporting people recovering the truth of being, the truth of who they are. We all started out the same as this sweet, awesome presence of love. And the idea is to recover the truth of that state of being and the ecstasy, literally, that goes along with it. So we're honored that you're here to share the conversation. Let's check in and say hello to Dr. Tim and see how the young man is if he's with us today.
4: I'm here. I'm well. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, sir. Well, my headset is out today, so I'm on a speakerphone. So just checking. You we sound good. We had our group last night. We had five eager people and myself and um lots of discussion after the the video about um a variety of things that had come up on the internet show recently, including yesterday's show, talking about regulatory speech, and we had somebody who's relatively new, and so that concept was uh, building new brain cells for them, that whole discussion about being able to use what I'm saying to give me an indication of the content of my unconscious mind and then program it to give me better guidance and to enlist the help of people who can hear what I'm saying more accurately sometimes than I can because my conscious mind will hide from me um, when I say I'm not worried about that or I'm not angry about what happened or I don't have any upset in me. So we had a a very nice discussion about that, Um, seeing parallels, talking about last night where people were seeing lots of parallels between the Guy Finley message and the Michael Rice message and the worksheet process and so that's my input from last night and um, again it was um, just a lovely, lovely group. And uh, lots of people working at figuring out what is this process we're doing? Somebody asked a question about it's possible for me to go in and you know, undo all the past traumas and you know, change the past. So I directed him to a, an internet show back in uh, 2013 where Michelle had somebody in the session with her. She was asking the same thing. She said, I don't believe you can go back and change all that trauma. We we discussed how that's really not the point. I'm not going back to change my past. What I'm going into my mind-body-energy system to do is dismantle the negative thoughts and energies that I keep activating that have me reliving the thoughts and the emotions and the energies from the past, which aren't happening anywhere but in my mind at this moment. So I felt like it was a very powerful, fruitful discussion, and I'm blessed to be on, able to have that in my life twice a week now. Yay. So that's what's happening well, for me.
3: We certainly appreciate the genius input that you give us on the radio show every time that you do. It's... Uh... It's fabulous to have your support and, uh, and input on, right on down the line I was able to uh, to find the statistics I was talking about without getting into a lot of detail but what and, and you know if you think about if you can kind of get a sense of how money controls the game especially the political game we're seeing lots of evidence of that these days but here's an area where it's been pretty quiet and pretty well remained hidden but uh, what would happen if we came up with a product that we were going to bring out today. And just briefly looking at some of the numbers here, it would increase head and neck cancers, larynx, throat, um, oral cavity cancers by two to three times, two to 300% uh, increase in those cancers. Esophageal cancer uh, would increase that. I'm not going to go into each of the numbers, but uh, uh, liver cancer, breast cancer, uh correctal rectal cancer and that's just the main ones that are particularly impacted by what would happen if we came out with a product today to increase those cancers two to three times and said, Hey, look what we're gonna market, everybody, let's have fun. I mean, that would be ridiculous. And yet such a powerful lobby, even though it's known, nobody's saying a word. It's carry on and you know, just business as usual. And so to, I think in in particular to start to educate children about the impact of that social lubricant that you know when they go off to college and in high school it's like you know well it's the thing to do it's the thing to try and then you add the drugs and the whole thing is just so crazy and so it's just time for uh, for recovery on a huge scale and to and to me it's about supporting people getting to the point where if they're if they're thinking about taking a drink or smoking a joint they'd go why would i want to compromise my awareness my intelligence my physiology by that why why would i even want to do that and of course the only why is because i'm feeling like i need an anesthetic i need to medicate and so we're here to support people getting free of those energies that cause them to want to self-medicate and especially in certain circumstances and uh, be able to access those energetic patterns within self and remove them so that there just wouldn't be an interest in such a thing because one values one's awareness and their functioning of their brain so highly. It's like, who would even think about doing that? It's an interesting topic, especially in the context of how long they, you know, they were giving us statistics of how long it took some 40 years to, to finally go, yeah, cigarettes cause cancer. Hmm. Yeah. And so anyway, interesting topic. And let's see if, um, Gail is with us today. Are you with us today? Young lady. She is. I am. Awesome. Well, what's on your mind today? What are your thoughts, uh, rolling around with Tim sharing with, uh, with what's happening here i'm looking forward to uh seeing if we can get st louis set up again and uh get a, a whole series of workshops up in your direction and uh get the energy moving on another level for support groups and such
0: that would be fantastic um something that i was going was thinking about and wanted to ask you and we could talk about this later um i have looked at unity churches on the other side of the river from st louis and i was wondering if you'd be interested maybe in doing if i could set it up doing a an evening workshop in maybe three other places besides the Vandalia um before you head out southeast
3: i'd be up, up for it sure
0: okay fantastic okay i will i will start pursuing that saying probably probably the end of of september early october Um, because I think you're going to be in St. Louis for two weeks.
2: Michael, you're talking, but oh, it's not coming through the phone. Excuse me. I'm right. <laughs> I have my mute button
3: pushed. <laughs> mute challenged. So, yes. Understood. And yes.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. As far as um, your opening, I agree with everything that you said, Every, every, every last word. Understood and agreed and seconded and ditto um, I would like to emphasize what one of the points that you made about um, hearing that or thinking that using drugs and alcohol is a return to feeling that feeling of of um, love um that's missing um I had a whole old timer always used to say that um there's a space to love that or there's a space that has been made or a hole inside of me that was created just for my creator to fill. And I think that's what alcoholics and addicts do. That's certainly what I did was trying to fill that, that endless void with something else that only by working the the 12 steps was I able to fill that with um that connection to source to God, um, the God of my understanding. So I wanted to reemphasize that for sure. And then I had a sponsee of me, mine, um, look up the word spirit, um, to get the a better understanding of the spiritual aspect and spirit, one of the definitions of spirit is is alcohol.
3: Alcohol. Yeah it's amazing.
0: Yeah. And so she um, made that correlation of, of trying to capture that feeling by drinking and also trying to capture that that feeling by tapping into the God of her understanding as well. Right. So I wanted to reemphasize that. Um, I wanted to take the discussion a little bit further uh, um, as well into making a point of um, why – just giving people information about their condition, like don't smoke because there's five hundred additives, or you know um don't drink because of this um that it takes so much more than than just the warnings um and the information, especially if somebody has the allergy to alcohol like I do or the you know right. the the predisposition. And we had this conversation in Florida um, during the past intensive because we we're talking about smoking, smoking cigarettes. And you had said that you tried smoking cigarettes and that you, after you had your results and then being punished by your dad after he found out, that you would never smoke again and you haven't. And then I turned around and said, Well, I had a different experience because. Cigarette smoke or um, smoking tobacco did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, I was able to concentrate by having nicotine by smoking. And so there was a benefit for me to smoke and an incentive to continue to smoke because I was able to concentrate and get some sort of medication um, by doing that that helped – help put me together help make me feel better and alcohol did the same thing
3: and it's interesting that um, a lot of people who are scatterbrained attention deficit disorder their problem is really candida candida albicans is a a growth a, a fungus growth in the body that creates all kinds of toxins and brain fog and it's interesting that tobacco kills candida.
4: Okay. So
3: you may be touching on the mechanism of why you were able to concentrate. You probably had candida, or I'd say quite likely, and the tobacco or the nicotine kills off the candida, which is less toxicity in the bloodstream, and the brain becomes less fogged. Uh, of course, better to deal with and get rid of the candida and re- replace it with uh, a proper... Uh, you know, level of probiotics, but the, uh, the impact of, uh, tobacco there. And, and that's oftentimes when people quit, um, using tobacco, they put on a lot of weight, uh, because the candida just takes over and they bloat and blow up part of the process. If you don't address the candida problem, which is oftentimes a result of having taken too many rounds of antibiotics and, you know, candida is naturally in the body but in very, very small amounts, and it's kept in check by proper probiotic content of the gut especially. But when one eats excessive amounts of sugar, the candida overgrows. There's a bloom. It's just like an algae bloom that happens in the body, and all of a sudden it's brain fog and, uh, and blow-up time. So the, um, the impact of the candida and then if one utilizes uh, antibiotics, antibiotics every time they turn around they're taking another round of antibiotics, they kill off the natural intestinal flora and they leave uh, an environment for candida to grow. And then hand in hand with that goes sugar. And, of course, alcohol is converted to sugar. Sugar is converted to alcohol. And, you know, there's a whole cycle there that uh, when one understands they can start to... Uh, Physiologically, deal with those things and uh, and support themselves getting free of, of all of those addictions.
0: That is a very interesting piece for me, and I wasn't aware of that. Um, I I've been I'd say in the past year probably read a lot about the candida, and um, because there is something on Facebook where somebody's trying to advertise a product and is saying that everybody has this particular yeast um, and and fungus growing in their body and because of the increase of sugar um, that's being used and that it is quite the health issue. And I started smoking when I was 15, and I fell in love with it the first time I inhaled it And um, because of what it did did for me. But the other thing, too, is that I had acne pretty young, and I took – a lot of antibiotics from the age of 12 to the age of 22, I was on a daily, um, I think it was uh, um, erythromycin. Ouch. Um, order to, yeah, and took that daily and um, to combat the the effects of the acne or to get the acne under control. And so that that would explain a lot. And
3: well, um, the candida is also involved in the acne.
0: Oh, so
2: it's counteracting. It's just
3: a huge cycle. Yes, it's a the whole thing is a huge cycle, and we really need to be aware of our the food intake that we have and. The amount of antibiotics in the food as well. You know, it's been estimated. There's a some research that was done out of England, and they're saying that uh, by if if we keep going in the direction we're going with the antibiotic use that we have, that by the year 2050, more people will die from uh, antibiotic resistant organisms than die of cancer today. That it's going to become the scourge of humanity, and and the people who in the pharmaceutical industry, if you read their research, they'll say, you know. There's really a problem with these antibiotic-resistant drugs and what we know are more powerful antibiotics as opposed to, you know, and and there's a a, a case of total blockage of truth, excuse me, there is not a problem, there's no problem on the planet with antibiotic-resistant drugs and bugs at all. There's a problem with antibiotics and the antibiotics, the side effect or the result of antibiotics is antibiotic-resistant bugs. And, and it's interesting, if you look in the, uh, the the food industry today, and that's just getting crazier by the minute. The uh, Congress is, I, I, I'm not sure whether they've actually passed it. They've been talking about passing a bill where they're going to take all labeling off of food as to the origin of that food. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw the, uh, by the way, if you like chicken wings, you might want to really think about this one. The FDA just or pardon me, I believe it was the USDA, just confiscated a million pounds, a million pounds of rat flesh that was being sold in restaurants in America as boneless chicken wings coming out of China. A million pounds of rat meat. I mean, we need to start to look at our food supply. And... The the bulk of antibiotics, I forget the numbers, but something like 70% of antibiotics used in the United States are used on food animals. And they're not used for the reasons of, you know, killing bugs or anything else. The reason that these animals are given antibiotics is because they grow faster on less food. So there's more profit in them. And we're putting the whole of humanity at risk. I mean, we just really need to look at this whole cycle and recognize the problem is not antibiotic resistant bugs its antibiotics and we need to start cutting back and learn how to vitalize and build the vitality of our structure and one of the keys to that is keeping it connected to love so that it is not subject to attack from any kind of organism that's the first line of defense that's needed but there's not a lot of profit in that line of defense so this the whole thing is something that takes a tremendous amount of study and understanding to uh, to recognize. And the, th- the things we put in our mouth are really important to that whole process.
0: Understood. And I posted that on Facebook about the rats. I don't know if you posted it. Post- it? Or I'm not sure if I posted it from you or if you posted it from me. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, that is amazing Whatever. about yeah, it doesn't matter.
2: The information out there for sure. I just got a funny text, and it says, but I've heard that rat tastes like chicken. It yeah. does.
1: <laughs> I Early am so time. glad. I am
3: so glad that for the last 25 years or so I've been a vegetarian. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: The The other the spin that I wanted to do on this is that – Um, I didn't realize that I was an alcoholic. I mean, I heard people talking about their drinking and the effects of their drinking. And I was really young when I was introduced to AA. And so I couldn't relate to them. You know, I hadn't gone to prison. um, I hadn't gone to jail. I hadn't been arrested. I didn't lose my family. And when I heard a speaker talk about how he felt before he took that first drink, and um and so i i think that's why um people are so um become addicted so quickly is because of the um the alcohol and what it does for us or what it does for me and how i felt before i took that first drink was i always felt like i was on the outside looking in um was never comfortable in my own skin had difficulty making connections to other people. And the best descriptions that I've heard was when people talked about feeling like um, their body was filled with ground glass and they always felt like they were being poked and always feeling like they were in pain. And then when they took a drink, the the glass just became smooth and they were able to get comfortable. And the other example that I was given
3: um oh, before you. before you go to before you go to the next example okay. let's look at that one all of a sudden the glass became smooth and the pain went away excuse me the glass didn't change the pain didn't change the awareness of the pain went away the ground glass the energetic assaults to the cell was still happening that's one of the reasons why people die faster when they're using things like alcohol because they don't have a feedback mechanism to tell themselves when they're off base and to bring correction. The ground glass feeling was a warning that was something going on in your structure that didn't belong in your structure. And if you had been in a culture that had the tools and you went crying to dad or mom and said, you know, I just have all this pain and it feels like ground glass in my body. They just said, wow, let's get out the forgiveness tools and let's see if we can get that energy out of your body rather than look how much better you feel if we just give you an
2: anesthetic and you don't have to deal with it let me interject there too I just spoke with someone the other day and they were talking about uh, all this work that they needed to get done and everything and they had such pain in their body and so there was some kind of a they told me what kind of pain pill it was I don't remember but anyway they could take it and then they could just go on and do all this work and you know continue doing what they needed to get done and I said yeah but don't you realize I said that's like the football players and stuff that they you know give them shots and things like that to cover up their pain and they go out and they think that they're pain-free and they keep playing and and I said you could be damaging yourself even further but because you're not feeling the pain you don't know it and you could actually be exacerbating the problem instead of thinking that you know okay I got rid of the pain so I can just keep moving on and so it fits in with that, I mean, it's you're talking about alcohol, but they were using, you know, some kind of prescription drug or something to do the same thing.
3: Right, and you're right, on honey, except for one thing. There's no possibly about it. That's what's happening. <laughs> when when we use an anesthetic of any kind, we're always covering something that otherwise is just a warning signal, saying, "Hey, something here to deal with. Something here to deal with. Better deal with it." And that's where the tools come in so powerfully. So, good point. And you. agreed.
0: Yeah. Th- thank you for that, Jeannie, because that just took what I was saying uh, another step. Um, so, it, it, the reason why alcohol benefits me, or the reason why I drink, and uh, or drank, about, and the reason why... Me.
2: Let's put that in past tense.
0: Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's why alcohol appeared appear to, benefit to benefit me, me. Yep. and why I had a difficult time letting it go, was because the way I was before I took that first drink, pain, had a lot of pain, and it anesthetized the pain, and I totally and completely agree, and I just wanted to add that particular component because I remember my first drink, and normal people don't remember their first drink. And I was five years old when I took my first drink, and I remember it Ouch! because I remember its effect. I, I remember what it did for me. And I remember my second drink. I was six, and I remember what it did for me
1: appeared and to do um
0: to do. appeared to do for me yeah. um i what what I describe when I talk about um you know when I'm talking to newcomers, I talk about when I took that first drink, you know the the clouds parted, and the angels sang, and I was finally able to breathe, yeah. And and that is a very powerful faith. effect. And, of course, people aren't going to stop no matter how much you warn them. Um, you know, my mom had that conversation about drinking. Um, there is um, – she went to D.A.R.E. classes in, in the 80s, um, and and I, um, she's like, before you go to school, you know, don't drink. Well, I'm going to get out of pain, so I'm going to drink. And it was very difficult – to do what I needed to do at the call
1: building. I hear you. I just want to add
3: that It's definitely a trap in our culture because we haven't been given the tools. You know, these tools should have been in our parents' hands before we were born. So it's an honor and a privilege to be here to share the tools and to offer them to folks and to... uh, to enhance and grow through the process. We started here last night uh, doing the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop with a whole new group of folks and uh, some folks who have done it many times before. And it's like, wow, hey, this is new. I, I haven't heard this before. It's like, well, yeah, you have actually. But, you know, it, it a new set of brain cells uh, opens on a whole new level each time you hear the material and you're able to generate uh, perceptions that reinforce the understanding and the utilization of the tools. So, And, of course, the, uh, the 12-step work just ties right in perfectly. Go for it.
2: It
0: does. In our literature, it talks about is this a sufficient substitute. Um, it asked that question to itself, a rhetorical question. It said, that, yes, it is, and vastly more. And that's what I found for the 12 steps, to be a sufficient substitute, to get rid of to, to get rid of everything that blocks me off from God. Um, and, and that's exactly what the Aramaic does as well. It does it a little bit quicker and it does it a little bit deeper. And I don't have to have an addiction to something specific to join a specific 12-step group in order to address it. So um, I'm grateful to be a part of both. And I'm grateful that I can take the language of the 12 steps and correlate it to the language of the Aramaic and um, be able to take that kind of identification uh, as an alcoholic and an addict to bring that kind of message of recovery. So, thank you for the opportunity and um, and giving me the tools to,
1: to, to and do And thank that. you
3: for bringing your unique genius to it to share it with us and support us in taking it to another level with everyone. It's awesome,
2: Michael. yes, um we do have a caller, however, I wanted to, to add something else. I was working with another lady this morning on the phone, and uh, we were talking about anger, and I just happened to think you know anger is also another drug that people are addicted to, and as Gail was talking that she was receiving a benefit, a payoff. For continuing with the addiction, it's the same thing with anything. And I mean, even if it's anger and someone, you know, it seems like they can't get rid of their anger or their fear or whatever. It's like there's something that they're receiving, like a payoff for for hanging on to that.
3: Sure, it covers it up. It's an anesthetic. It's a great anesthetic. And if you've got an anesthetic to cover your pain, why deal with your pain until you realize, oh, my God, this is just self-destruction if I don't ever deal with my pain.
2: Correct. And that is something that
0: I inventoried and had a difficulty letting go of. Um, I had some resistance doing my fourth step the first time I did it. Imagine that. And that is um, (laughs) – our 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 moral inventory of ourselves that we do a fearless moral inventory and I kept saying that my resentment and my anger and my rage protect me. And yeah, there it's there was a seeming benefit of having that rage and that anger and that resentment. And there was more strength. I had to do it, you know, in order to experience that. But after I did my first inventory and every time I do a worksheet um, the benefit is, is that level of surrender and, and letting go of those character defects and um, realizing what is underneath it. And then letting go of those character defects and then also get diving into the unconscious mind and letting go of those. And I would like to also include that, that meme that we were talking about a couple weeks ago on Facebook, my daughter's looking at me like I didn't pronounce that word correctly, but um, <laughs> so anyway i um I just wanted um, that hatred one you know what's underneath hatred, why people want to continue with their hatred, is um, a deep sense of hurt, and I experienced that um, this past week doing some worksheets, and I drilled down into some hatred. And that hatred drilled down into into an extreme amount of hurt and pain and and feeling of rejection. If you would have asked me last week if I still had hatred for this person, I would have said yes. After I got done with doing 20 worksheets and collapsing all those goals that I had for this person. And this was somebody that I had a crush on Um, from the age of five. He was the boy next door. Um, <laughs> it, the the hurt that I had developed into hatred so every time I went to a, a class reunion I would avoid this person and then I was like whoa it's not hatred it, it is the, that rejection and that hurt so I, I just wanted to, to second that and um, I will put myself on mute and we'll go on to the next caller
3: Cool, and hate is nothing okay. but another drug, for sure. Jeannie, go ahead. Let's talk to our caller. All
2: right. I believe it might be Ron. It's 781. You're on the air.
3: It is
1: Ron. Hi. Hey,
3: young man, we haven't heard your voice in a while. Welcome. I know. I you were actually on my list to myself. call. I hadn't heard from you.
1: I'm I'm thinking about how I miss you uh, today and how I need to keep you up to date on the baby. The baby's uh, still in... Bill still in this uh in his mommy's tummy and uh, but we thought we we're I thought we were gonna be going I thought we were going gonna be coming out on Sunday. Um but uh wasn't to be yet. So we're it would so Sabrina's a watch pot these days. Ah.
3: I'm awesome. Very excited. Well congratulations,
1: yeah. Dad and Mom. Thank you. I, I continue to do um uh, uh, I'm in some of the some of the most uh interesting and uh, I think beautiful healing period of time as, as I can remember, although it's all been, been you know, special and challenging and wonderful. And I, I was listening to the uh, conversation just a few minutes ago, and I, it just resonated some stuff for me around alcohol, so that's all right. Yeah, I'll
3: share it with us.
1: I, lo- I, I, I was... Uh, so I was listening to um, oh gosh, I've just forgot her her name and I know it. Um, um so can you remind me of the guest name that that was speaking? To Gail. Gail, great, right? Sorry. And I was listening to Gail talk about when the skies opened and what alcohol did for her, and, and then you uh, inserted scene to do for me for her, and and it just really resonated for me something that I've talked about a lot in the 12-step groups about – to me, alcohol was uh, – if you had asked me in, back then in my intellectual state, and if you asked some of the guys that I used to run around with, alcohol meant celebration. Alcohol meant fun. It was something that that's what you did, and it gave you that fun. And, it, and I remember there was a particular time when it came to me that it really got to a core – question the core kind of psychic injury that I had about God, about what it means to be a human being. And I got to the question is do I – and, and the, one of the beautiful things about the program is it gives us an, off, an offering and an opportunity to to reimagine and, and, and re um, reevaluate our concept of God. And what I came to was: do I does, – does the God that I choose to believe in Really require me to put a poison in my body to achieve my highest good? Is that the world that I'm? Si- I want to sign up for? Is you know, that that I've got to go to Budweiser to to achieve the level of of joy and happiness that, that God intended for me? And the answer to that posed like that was an obvious no. It can't be. But so then I had to go and say, all right. Well, it must be my experience that is in error because it. Because it can't that case, and so that kind of opened the door for me to to reevaluate, you know, whether or not this poison, this chemical, really gave me anything of value other than uh, anesthetizing what I was doing to myself. Um, so, anyway, that was my input.
3: Definitely right on track. I'm I'm in full agreement. It's uh, and 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 the the messages of the culture that tell you that's true, that it's benefit and that it's good and it's fun and it's you know, I mean having a brain that doesn't function fully may dull the pain and that may for some people pass as a definition of fun, but it's sure a long way from anything to do with aliveness and what the real thing looks like.
1: Yeah. And Isn't
3: and it? and what I the
1: connection and, and I think what I and since of much of the learning that I've done around interacting with other people and realizing that you know alcohol and, and drugs were such a shortcut to relating to other people and there is tremendous joy in relating with other people. It's just that um, the anesthetic was necessary or I perceived, it, I didn't realize it, but it was a, a way for me to not feel, it, it gets down to not having tools to deal with Insecurities, not having effective or productive tools to deal with uh, um, the the traumas of my insecurities and and attack thoughts around myself and other people. So that drug allowed me to, it seemed to allow me to kind of have the joy of um, interacting with others um,
3: because
1: because I didn't have tools to get to the, the true essence of another human being. Does that make sense?
3: Until you watch the video the next morning.
1: Wow. Right. <laughs>
3: or or somebody right. gave you the blow blah blah replay.
1: This is fun. Oh a hundred percent. Exactly a hundred percent. it's just such a
3: uh And yeah. the truth is, you know, just the this work and and it fits with the twelve step work too is the shining truth of who we are as that awesome presence of love has never been touched by any of the pain and trauma that we've been through, has never been touched by any of the horrible things that have been done under the influence of alcohol, have never been touched by anything that's been done to us by somebody who was under the influence of alcohol. That. That true being, that true self, remains radiant and shining 24-7, 365 for eternity. All it needs to do is be uncovered and we're restored. And that's the that is the best recovery. is the restoration to the truth. It's just, you know, it's just to me, it's like awesome news.
1: It is awesome news. And, and I was asked once, what was the, the one thing that I got from going to Heartland, that so Surpa- you know, and I said the one thing I got from from going to Heartland that surpasses all the other I think uh, things that have happened w- were being there and and I had kind of heard I have heard it, but I really got it experientially that I am love that is my effort. and that it is it does transcend all the stuff because you watch people go through processes that are so profound and so deep and and then you realize that from, behind that. Is um, that that magnificent love that we all are? And then I got to see it in myself, that light in myself as well. It's been a beacon. I've been to Heartland a number of times, but um, right from that first time, I remember getting it at, at, at a depth that I had not been able to um, consciously experience before. That's pretty special. Right. And then And the one, th- and then it's the marriage of the marriage of, of working with you, Michael and Jeannie, and and, and the AA brought me to the point where I was able to share one day in the meeting and I've shared it so, so many times since is hey look notice something about the 12 steps it, there's nothing in there that adds anything to you there's no additive prop there's no additive elements to the program it's all about um, letting go of what is unlike who you truly are and who I truly am and and, and so you you have some of the "Quote unquote worst of our society walk in to AA and just let go of enough of what they're doing to themselves, and then the essence of who they are. It's AA doesn't add anything to us. It simply strips away that which is unlike who we really are. And just that was a tremendous moment to kind of see that."
3: Well, that's almost a direct quote from A Course in Miracles. It says, You need not seek for love. You need only seek, find, and release the barriers you've built within yourself against it. And that's the whole forgiveness process. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's it, cool. from, that's it from me.
1: I'm glad to be uh, in touch, and I will keep you posted on uh, coming and
3: going next uh, few weeks. Awesome. Well, we look forward to uh, hearing about the safe and awesome delivery of this new little one that's getting ready to come into your world and coming into such a sweet, receptive space as you've created with your family, the uh, the things that you've faced, that you've dealt with, that you've moved through in yourself and with your spouse and the, the, the space you've created for your daughter. It's all just pretty awesome. So great work. And, uh, uh, we hold the space for this this new one to arrive. I receive the blessing. Thank you. All right. Take care. Blessings. Okay. Bye-bye. And uh, let's see if Dr. Tim has any thoughts to share with us on this whole conversation from hate to drugs to benefit to, you know, the uh, the positive things that people seem to get from it. Tim, do you have any input? I know that over the years you've probably worked with a lot of people with that uh, alcohol bug.
4: And uh, any thoughts in that well, regard? I – I just want to echo that it's about removing the pain and the falseness and then once that's done you know there's this connection with that joy that surpasses all understanding and you know I probably didn't hear it as succinctly until I ran into your work but the same message that we were working with for years was, help people clear up their pain and they won't have to run to a drug of choice. And it's just about one forgiveness process at a time, one worksheet at a time, one breath session at a time, you know, one tapping session at a time, one connection to source and asking to be shown, one incident at a time, is the only thing I've ever seen really work. In, in, in a way that, that leads to an actual improvement in quality of life. I have seen people just put down their drug of choice and use their willpower and their strength of of determination to refuse to pick up that drug again. And I've seen, you know, the same abusive patterns in relationship continue. And the drug's not there, but the anger's still there, the isolation the cutting oneself off from the love and community is still there. So so that's what I would add. I, I just I think we're on the right track in helping people remove their pain, and once they do, they have more direct access to their true nature.
3: I'm with you 2,000%, right on track, and we're honored and delighted and blessed to be able to uh, share this work with people. We're uh, down to the last... Couple of minutes, so I'm going to have to close the show out, but we'll just say thank you, everyone, for your input, for your listening ears. Um, get a copy of the MP3 and pass it on to somebody if it's been meaningful to you. Invite the stranger to the show tomorrow and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the
2: world. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.why. A-G-A-I-N dot org.